Hey there. Glad you could make it. You've been invited to Arty Party. My name's Jay Sykes. I will be your host. This is a fortnightly radio show and podcast that brings artists and creatives together to make connections and celebrate their craft. Whether grassroots, emerging or established, anyone is invited. Together we chat projects and passions, events and exhibitions, artistic insight and advice. Today's episode of Arty Party was recorded back in April earlier this year in the east end of Sunderland, in Hendon, at a venue called 1719. Now, you might have known 1719 as the Holy Trinity Church in Old Sunderland. After receiving £5 million in funding for restoration and development over the last few years, this church has now reopened as a multi-use venue, engaging with the community through theatre, music, arts and craft events. So, back in April, I met up with ceramic artist Iona Stock. At the time, Iona had an upcoming exhibition in various rooms around this huge former church. Her beautiful collection of original site-responsive material was on display around the building. And I'll be posting a bunch of photos in the Arty Party Instagram account so you can see Iona's pots in the space. They're absolutely beautiful. It is gorgeous, intricate stuff. The Arty Party Instagram, I should say, is at Arty underscore party underscore. That's Arty with a Y, party with an I. Why I? What you're about to hear now is Iona Stock breaking apart her process from start to finish. We'll hear Iona in her shed at home, working on shaping, glazing and firing up her pottery. But we'll start with a moment of inspiration. Here, Iona is talking with Lily Daniels, who's the participation and engagement officer at the 1719 venue. Iona is showing Lily one particular tiny mark on one of the big heavy wooden doors in the Reformed Church, which inspired some of the patterns and shapes in her pottery collection. So these doors? Yes. Like you can see there, that one, like that little crack goes down, out a bit, back in, and then back out. So it's the tiniest mark, not a big engraved. Oh no, like literally there, that bit. That tiny crack made a big pot. Made a big pot. That makes me so happy. (laughs) (laughs) What is it about those accidental marks that draws you in? Um, I think it's the, the not man-made quality of them because a lot of my other work is quite nature-inspired. So I think it's like the the non-man-made aspect because like I look at shapes which people have made and gone, well, that's not as nice as the shapes that I personally see within this thing which has just happened. Mm-hmm. Cracks in paint made into shapes, then made into pots with pretty colours on. So I always start with the sketchbook side of things, so finding something which is inspirational, which in this case was the cracks in the paint, and then abstracting from that the shapes which I wanted to make into pots.
they get thrown on my wheel using clay. Surprising. <laughs> Would it be right for me to say that you do a lot of your thinking by making? Yes. So a lot of it is like on the wheel, making decisions, playing with clay, the clay you used, the processes that went into it, the recipes for the glazes. It's more like materiality rather than big brain thinking, I suppose. <laughs> no, that's just as big a brain. <laughs> I suppose I just think by making, so you start off with the little idea and then start making it and then through that it becomes something else and develops and expands and becomes in more depth. When looking at the shapes that you were throwing and then the turning that you do to make these beautiful angles happen so that they are the shapes of the cracks that you find, did you just use the tools that were in your toolkit or did you have to like make new ones? The main tools is your hands, basically, so from the throwing, it's only the metal finishing tools to like really refine the crisp edges that you can't get with a dumpy finger. And then for the cracked ones, that was sodium silicate and then a blowtorch to dry it and crack the surface. cracking the surface, was that so that it would then do a full reflection of reflecting the, the cracks and the paint and the cracks of the safe? And... Yeah, it started from the idea of making the shapes of the cracks, but then the shape of a crack I can only really see, where someone who hasn't seen the shapes of the cracks in the walls would then pick up the cracks of the pots in the cracks. in space. They look like pots in space. Look better than in my shed. So now, trying to find the right site for these, Iona's been looking at the, the apps and the older. I always think of like pots in a functional sense or like to put something in. It's just a, a natural space for a pot. Like in the other room there was the table which you could imagine a pot being on, and especially if they were meeting there for like discussing people's finances, then they're going to have some form of snack. Frustratingly, though, I think that these pots would look amazing in any of the spaces, <laughs> and sort of would make sense, especially like talking about how the colours match the font, how the shapes match the the cracks in the safe. But no, you're right. It might be interesting to like at some point do a moving exhibition of the whole space. Oh, they look great there. We talked about putting them in the circles and the Lady Chapel's fencing, because obviously when this church gets bright, it's got beautiful shadows, but today is a really cloudy, dull day, so that it's actually really diffuse in here. Because we were talking about shadows originally, weren't we? Like, you'd be able to see the shape of the pot in the shadow, which would then link back to the cracks within the walls, and it would have been a nice little circle and like a moving shadow as well. It's one of the only conditions about this building is that we can't change the light. It's as light or as dark as it will be. I thought we had like more 
beautiful space. That's good. It's smaller than I want to remember. This is this is good. Uh, Less pots to fill it. Two main stages either side. What we're imagining. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's Iona and Lily talking about the site-responsive process of Iona's pottery collection in 1719. On the day of the launch of the exhibition, focusing on Iona's work, the two of them joined freelance curator Michaela Wetherill for a live audience symposium to talk about the development. This public symposium, or in other words, a thought-provoking discussion that you're about to hear, was focused on understanding the potential in the relationships between emerging artists like Iona and heritage sites particularly in the benefits and challenges that come with attempting to use spaces like 1719 to host artwork exhibitions, and also the benefits of site-responsive projects like Iona's Pots in Space. What are the advantages of bringing together heritage and arts in the same space? How can art help us understand and appreciate heritage sites like 1719? And how does this, in turn, influence an artist's practice? Iona and Lily in conversation with Michaela Wetherill, here on Artie Party. Hello, everyone. I'm Michaela Wetherill, and I'm a freelance curator from Sunderland. I didn't have the pleasure of curating this exhibition, but I will say it looks beautiful. But I'm just here to facilitate and ask questions, and I want to just delve into a little bit about the importance of these spaces and heritage and new artists. Do you see the importance of emerging new voices in these heritage sites to give not only the artists an opportunity to be inspired, but to create a new narrative and a new audience? Yes, yes is the answer. I think that... In recent years, it's become really clear that history needs more than just one person's perspective or one type of person's perspective. A real way to get that in heritage is with creative interpretation, with people who don't just present this happened in 1755, but ask questions or leave open-ended sentences about what history and what memory and what place is. This is a really interesting site for like a number of reasons and the things that I find interesting about it, Iona did not use at all. <laughs> she chose something completely different and we need that multiplicity of views in these spaces. Otherwise, it's just one person telling the same story over and over again. Yeah. That's not history, is it? That's something else. Yeah. And you're a brand new playlist in the future and what are you on to haven't is it is it definitely like you will focus a point of different voices different ethnicities different cultures all coming in to use the space and how they inspire because i'm sure that you could have a hundred artists and a hundred artists will just completely have totally different point of view absolutely so we did a project with saif osman who is an illustrator from london from a bengali community and he looked at the history of the east end and created some illustrations for our cabinet of curiosities and he focused on stories that wouldn't have got headlines so things like i don't know if anyone knows this but there used to be black fishwives in the east end so there used to be like a community of either yemeni or east african women who were fishwives in the east end and we have like a smattering of photographs about them but we don't 
talk about them. When we talk about fishwives, it's white working class women as opposed to women of colour. So he really focused on that and on the idea of like, what would it have been like to be a person of colour walking these streets in the 1700s? There will have been someone of colour walking these streets, like there just will have been. So why don't we even just imagine what that might have been like? If we were working with an illustrator and just saying, I want you to draw the clock tower, why do we need that? The clock tower's already there. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's one of the reasons that getting artists in and looking at their distinct interpretations of the past is important. We've looked at things in such detail today because of Iona. A different artist would have made us look at something else completely, just like you say, like a different artist would have said, no, I don't want to do like a workshop symposium. I want to do a I don't even know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they want to do like a, an AI board game. I don't know. But when you work with a creative person and they can say yes or no, then they can do stuff you can't imagine. Yeah. And as this space has inspired you, will you then take that into your next work of how you are developing your career and developing your ideas? Will this influence you in that sense? Yeah, definitely. So I'm going to take forward the colours and the textures and do more with that. We're already developing a range of tea bowls from the glazers which I've developed through this project. And then I've always having like my general practice and then also doing project based stuff because it makes you think about things in a different way and then just makes you rediscover what you actually want to be doing rather than sat in a shed by yourself making all the same work for the rest of eternity (laughs) which is not fun did you think heritage was like for you or you were like no I'm this like when you started your career because you are just a baby artist so (laughs) um I suppose I didn't particularly think about it for this project specifically it was a very open-ended brief Mm -hmm. so I think if it was a more they knew what they wanted that might not have gone for it because if it didn't line up with what I wanted to do. But because I could basically do whatever, then I was like, well, yeah, yeah. of course we're going to do it. It's something in um, my practice as a curator is I've always tried to like blend heritage to uh, art history and contemporary art. So I did an exhibition a couple of years back called Tell Her Story, where I went through the Darlington art collection and found like unknown paintings and unknown women just completely no history because they just didn't document it. Either just no money or who cares about these people and then getting contemporary artists to tell these stories so not even like real stories as you were saying like it can just be like a flow of the next generation of collection and storytelling and just to kind of continue it on because there's not that much documented especially with women I remember doing a project and going into the Discovery Museum's archive and I was like why is there not loads and it's because the curators back in the day were men and they were like it's not important we don't want to tell these stories anymore storage and space is different but how do we keep it going that it's not like a folk tale a picture here how do you like archive it basically I don't know the answer (laughs) in the best way possible I think that any answer that I come up with will be based on boring practical things Mm -hmm. and not on what's actually needed or potentially like what could be the answer that question has to be answered by people who don't work in heritage, mm-hmm. which is weird. Like There are limitations to what you can do in a heritage organisation, but people who don't know that dream up 
ways that it can happen. We worked with a volunteer who decided she was going to make a book about the history of children in Sunderland. So she taught herself how to do bookbinding, made a book, illustrated it and wrote it because she didn't know that that was hard. She was a history student. She didn't know that that was going to be hard. So from that, that way around, like someone who's not working in the creative industries, just going, I'm just going to make a book. Someone outside of heritage would be like, oh, well, obviously the best way to archive this would be. But I don't know what's at the end of that dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a funny one because I think in the arts especially is people just do it. Like, it's not like it's like, I've got to train, I've got to do this. And obviously there is a lot of, a lot of like education in it, but a lot of people will just go out and do it. Of just like, this is important, especially like with community and heritage and they just go out. But that shouldn't be the answer. We shouldn't be dependent on hobbyists or passion, like where we can actually make history like, proper history where we have it and archiving could sound a bit dull but it's very important to have these things in place to be like look we did move on we are like an amazing community because then places like these get lost in history again and it's just this repetitive pattern of forgetting things a volunteer at the globe theater in stockton Antilles mm-hmm. undergone heritage funded renovations so we started in 2018 researching and finding information and stories and trailing through newspaper cuttings and everything and throughout the renovation recording all the things that were taken out of the building but are being kept and the big thing about is archiving it how we're going to archive it who's going to store all this information where's it going to be so we're still in the process of collating all that and all these unanswered dot, dot, dots as, you know, <laughs> what are we going to do without so that in a hundred years' time people can still see what the building was like in 1935 and the renovation that's gone on to see what the building is now and what it might be in a in hundred years' time. But it's that big question of yeah. how do you do it? And how do you who takes it? ownership of it? Who takes ownership of it? How do you make it accessible and interesting and approachable and all of those good things? Like, how do you, how? We are in a sort of, almost a good position because because the church was so damp, all of our documents went to Durham Archive for safekeeping. So we have some silver plate and some like ephemera. So like documents that don't make sense. Like we don't know why we have St. Patrick's Register because that's a Catholic school. So why would, why would it be here? <laughs> so we're in almost a good situation, but like, how do we archive Iona's work? How do we catalogue these insights into history? I guess that might be the next emerging artist's job. <laughs> like, <laughs> you do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think also a big one is just funding. It's so competitive and hard and it depends where you are. Like, it's amazing that I'm guessing the council some some money from the council, um, five million from Heritage Lottery Fund. Yeah, and I think it's it's needed to have these like unusual spaces. I think in some places, and I could be completely wrong to say this, a traditional white gallery space is just not going to cut it. Like I went in the arts, and sometimes I find it really hard to walk into an art gallery and feel welcoming. And and I work in the arts. So someone who's just like, 
this is something that I want to take on and be inspired by, you can walk into a space and just be completely alienated by the whole thing. And I think this is kind of, as much as it's church and it's grand and people might be like, ooh, it's church, it's still like it's a welcoming space to have people come in here. It doesn't really feel overly churchy, though. No, it doesn't. Not like I would imagine a church. It feels more community spacey with an element of church. It's interesting, Iona. Can you speak a little bit about... Because when you started the project, I gave you like a bunch of research that we'd done. We had a few chats, but things didn't really fall into place until you came and had a look. Yeah, definitely. I can't really work from a space that I've never been in because I may got to physically see it for it to make sense. And then the information that you might find interesting or attractive didn't necessarily capture me in the same way. You wouldn't have necessarily gone cracks of paint, indoor paint like send that over but then when I came I was like well that's a fun little bit so you weren't really inspired by individual stories you were just the building in the space I think it was the fish rive story that's been a an ongoing one but yeah mainly the space and the history of the space and the colours within because the first time I came and Lily toured us around you told us a few stories so if you had like an ideal artist or creative watch you be like tell this story please what's your favorite stories about this building i think to be honest like my favorite story isn't a story but it's that you have some heritage sites that are about like the great and the good so you have like hilden castle manor houses heritage sites that are about rich people a church can feel quite intimidating it can feel quite difficult but the stories that are about this church Yes, the rector Gray is very important, but he's important because of the people that he helped. So he's important because he buried Isabella Hazard, who was the first person to die of cholera in Sunderland. He's important because he will have also buried Jack Crawford, who was a sailor from the East End. He christened people, he married people, or wed them, whatever the verb is. <laughs> uh, and, and he would have done their funeral services as well. It's the, the democratic nature of the history of a church that I like. So I think as long as it was a story that was about the congregation, the community, I would be thrilled. In a convoluted way is why I love Iona's work, because it's about those details. We talked a lot about like, I think we came up with the phrase sacred utility, like there's a purpose to these objects, there's an element of use to them, which makes them feel like they could belong to a person. are any of the pieces remaining here? Or are you taking them all home with you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the exhibition's on for a month, and then after that point, I, I'm assuming they'll all come back home with me. Or going home with their new owners. Yeah, or going home with the new owners into spaces where they can have the functional ceremony <laughs> of the everyday. You could buy one and have a secret collection. <laughs> start an archive and then be like how are we gonna archive (laughs) we're about halfway through a symposium that i recorded back in april this year and michaela weatherill freelance curator is about to ask iona stock ceramic artist and lily daniels who looks after the programming at the 1719 venue in hendon to reflect on their practice moving forward whether as artists or the ambitions for this public community venue. I've just got two really final points of what the future may bring for both years. So 
for your artwork. What do you want? What, what is the next steps? What would be the vision of your career? So long-term vision, <laughs> live off of the money that I make from the work. That always helps. It is, <laughs> it is a good starting point. And then more short-term, I'm going to make up my own little project of the new and textural glazers into, at the moment, more of a functional thing, but I'm just going to play and see where it goes. I just give you like the confidence being like, I can rock this and that. I already it. had the confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't need it. <laughs> no, yeah, it's um, interesting seeing all of my work in one space, which is quite a... I made all that work in like four months and it looks all right. Looks more than all right. It looks really, really good. So you should be very proud. I am. Yeah, we are proud. (laughs) Good. (laughs) And the last point is what is the plans of like keeping it? Is there more to come with other spaces? Would you like to see that? Just an idealistic view of Sunderland and having these spaces. Because I think this is what Sunderland needs. It needs spaces that communal that can come in that is creative that can be used for multi-purposes and creating that community yes to all of that we've been talking a lot about Sunderland today and I think that we like to think of ourselves as like a gateway in the east end so a lot of people don't come into the east end unless they live here it's not somewhere that you get an invitation to often so we want to invite people into the east end but we also want to invite people in the east end to engage in this kind of stuff because that like not for me attitude is mm-hmm. is really hard so that's one of the reasons that it's brilliant that we're a historic building because you you're allowed to go into historic buildings that's your history your grand got christened here or whatever so for us it's about making sure that creative people are in the same place as the community and that they are treated in exactly the same way so someone from this community who might not consider themselves to be an artist can come in and demand an exhibition, a solo exhibition, and I will try and make that happen. An artist can come in and be like, I also would like to do that. I will try and make that happen. And I think that that should maybe just be the attitude of all venues, that you're not a gatekeeper, you're just a gate. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> I take it that around this table there are other emerging artists uh, who have developed ideas throughout the day and you don't have to shout them out now but I'm not a gatekeeper, I'm just a gate (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the answer is already yes so pitch pitch me all the time Are you the first person to exhibit in this place? Yeah So you're privileged person to have uh, exhibited is the first thing. How did you get commissioned to do this work? So I found a application process through a website called Curator Space and then applied for that and then the conversation happened from there. Okay. True transparency here, uh, Iona applied to be a volunteer. So Iona has done all of this work on a voluntary basis so we've paid for a little bit of training with like illustrators and zine makers we've tried to pay for as many materials as possible trying to make it as zero cost as possible for her and any sales Mm. go to her Mm. but that is one of the conditions of 
being a funded project is that I don't have, yeah. I don't always have the budget to pay for so, artists. Yeah, because that's my follow-up question, and I think it's part of your question is, what is the future for this fantastic space? More money. Yeah, more money, but I mean, in, in sense of, it's just such a creative force that keeps carrying on, but you're smack in the middle of East End of Sunderland. Mm-hmm. And I find it absolutely amazing that it's happening. So it's a hidden gem, considering it's like five million to reconvert and, and make it happen. So it, it has its own inherent energy. And I'm just kind of wondering how you're going to create new artists, build a reputation, make it happen. But primarily the goal, I believe, should be and community. Absolutely. But if you have a diverse community from money to ethnic background to religious background and so and so, plus the historic building, then you, you've got a lot to build. And, and to make an identity here would be probably your, your first yeah. uh, goal. What is the identity for this? One of the reasons it's brilliant to launch with Iona's work is because it's a real collaborative, artist-led piece of work. And we definitely want that to be our reputation as being people who commission artists not to deliver something specific, but to deliver a passion. And we also are hoping to communicate that to the community as well, either by showcasing, look, this is a passion, or um, we've got various pots of money that are about storytelling and funding community ideas. You know, you just got to gear it forward and make them understand that it's not just a a curated space that's been given a lot of money about. And also, full transparency again, my role and Tracy Meany, who is the centre manager, they're both temporary contracts. So the idea is that when our contracts end, this space becomes community-led. So so my goal is to become obsolete, (laughs) to become someone who is literally redundant. (laughs) Iona Stark, ceramic artist, is not the only person who was at the symposium who'd been responding to the space creatively. Here, Lily introduces two of the other artists in the space who were taking part in longer-term residencies there, at the time of recording. I'm going to ask Helen and Sarah a question because you guys have been here every week for over a month doing drawing and your mixed media stuff. What has working in this space been like as a creative? Because Iona's only been here two, three times. Three, maybe four, probably three. (laughs) Yeah, so it was all based on one big gulp of the space. Yeah. Whereas you guys are having lots of little sips. (laughs) What's it like? Well... I work in quite a few different things, so I wasn't sure what I was actually going to make when I first came here, and it took quite a, a few weeks to actually start getting an idea of what medium I was going to choose and how I was going to compose it and what elements of the building I was going to pull together to create a piece. Being able to come here for so many weeks gave me the opportunity to make lots of sketches of the building and really get to know the form and shapes of a lot of the architecture and (laughs) I'm a bit of a history geek as well but I don't actually know a lot of the stories and I think I'd quite like to learn more about that next. 
Um, yeah, it, it's been awesome. It was totally spontaneous how we ended up here. We were down at the Donison Centre and we just happened to be in the building when someone came in to invite us to come and look around here. And both of us were just really, really, mm. not just kind of like, well, one impressed with the building, but it, it just felt a lovely space. Mm. It was very welcoming and architecturally, mm. oh, there was just so many things all, you know, when there's all like loads of sparks going off at once, there was that many different things really that was just so fantastic about it. And within probably the next couple of weeks, I spent time at home searching out who I needed to contact to say can we come into this building and do some drawing because both of us like art and it wasn't even anything we were thinking about at the time but we just like yeah we really want to pursue this we really want to spend time in this building so we started coming in and it's just been great we've both looked forward to it every week mm. I can maybe speak for both of us in saying that it's been very good for our emotional and well and mental well-being Mm. having that space to come in here and just draw and yeah. enjoy the environment and getting to know Lily and Tracy and everything and other people that we've started to see coming in the building. It's, it's been great for our own just confidence with our own artwork and ideas, but it's been mm. great for our mental well-being as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just finding out more about the history of this area because we didn't know. I've driven through this area, but I've never stopped in it. I've never walked in it. So I'm doing a lot more of that as well. And mm. uh, all the little stories that we're hearing, yeah. it's making us more and more interested. And we're telling loads of other people about it. And <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of feel a little bit like ambassadors for <laughs> excellent. 1719 now and the whole of like this old part of Hendon. Yeah, mm. it's great. It's lovely. And I, I, so they come in and set up their table and they work away all day. And then today, I don't know if anyone else saw it, a lady came in, bought a cup of tea and just settled in with her embroidery and just like sat in the contemplation pew and just did some embroidery. And I was like, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> People are coming in and using the space and like finding that space to be a bit calm and it's happening. I spoke to that lady before she left. She said, oh, it was so great to come in here. It was peaceful. She said, I feel so much better having been in here and now I'm going. I feel, like, really good. It was great to just get away from everything out there and it's just helped everything just, like, fade away. I think after, like, lockdown and people's mental health after that, I think somewhere like this would be great because it's, like, you can come somewhere, you can meet people, you can... You know, it's, it's needed now for, like that human interaction but not like be totally overwhelmed by mm -hmm. it <laughs> to be honest that uh, that comment maybe we don't need another two years maybe the job's done like <laughs> so it, someone came in felt better uh, that's worth five mil isn't it <laughs> i think that's that's it that for feels me yeah. like an ending yeah, yeah definitely lily daniels from the restored and repurposed 1719 venue and Michaela Wetherill, freelance curator, in a public conversation earlier this year about the future of the venue. It's incredible to see how it's expanded its events across the year. At the moment, artist Ellie Clulo is in residence, and she's creating some incredible origami and paper folding pieces with visitors. There are quilting workshops, 
poetry workshops, a cappella performances, all happening between now and the end of the year. We'll share their Eventbrite and some info about their events on Artie Party on Twitter. That's at Artie with a Y, Party with an I, YI, and also on ArtiParty.com. Speaking of, I am building up ArtiParty.com to be a directory of artists and creatives. So if you are interested in having a free space online to talk about and promote your own arts or creative work, then please do get in touch. Already there's a few dozen artist profiles on there, so you can head to artyparty.com to check them out, and maybe, if you fancy, send in your info. And that's all from today's Arty Party. My name's Jay Sykes, thank you for dropping in. Arty Party is made possible thanks to support from our two generous Patreon supporters. That's photographic artist Joe Howell and visual artist Stephanie Smith. And there's an upcoming event as well, a live reunion, which will be supported by funding from Arts Council England and the National Lottery Heritage Fund through the Unlock Strand of Sunderland Culture's Great Place Scheme. And yes, you guessed it, more info on that at artyparty.com. That's arty with a Y, party with an I. Y-I. <laughs>